go. You, you can hear me, but I, the people online, I'm sure, have been yelling at me. Pray, pray personally. That, that online crowd, man, they can get out of hand. You know what I mean? Pray personally. And I ended that part with this quote from uh, Akshay Dubey. Healing doesn't mean that the damage never existed. It means that the damage no longer controls your life. And maybe you're at that point in your life right now where there's been a lot of damage, where there's been a lot of struggle, and you've come through some very, very difficult times. And now you're on the other side of it trying to rebuild. You know what I'm talking about, right? Trying to rebuild your life, rebuild your walk with the Lord, and trying to avoid the same hazards. I won't say mistakes, because many times in the Christian life, it's not mistakes that we make. It's hazards that get in our way. It's things that we run into. It's struggles that we run into and hazards we face that keep us uh, tethered or cause us to trip up and fall and struggle. And many times, you know, there's a reason why we're challenged in the Bible not to grow weary in doing good. Because you can get tired doing the right thing. You can get worn out. You can empty yourself completely and get burned out by doing the right thing. So, you may be on that other side, putting your life back together, trying to rebuild and trying to move forward, avoiding the same hazards, maybe avoiding mistakes that you made in the past. But just remember this, healing doesn't mean that that damage never existed. We don't like to talk about those things, right? We don't like to talk about the damage. We don't like to talk about the struggles we had because maybe we're embarrassed. Maybe it hurts our pride. Maybe it's uncomfortable. Now, if we're the people that didn't have the damage caused and didn't go through those struggles many times, let's be honest, we don't have trouble talking about those people who went through it. That's called gossip, and we should probably avoid that. But guess what I'm trying to say here is don't be afraid to admit that you went through a tough time. Don't be afraid to admit that you struggled. Don't be afraid to You know why? First of all, I think admitting it kind of takes its power away. Facing it takes the power that it holds over you away. But secondly, when you are healed and when you are overcoming things, you now have the opportunity to help other people who are following in the path that you're going. And maybe you can help them to avoid the hazards that you faced. We have, uh, I'll, I'll point them out, two women in the back here, uh, my mom and Joan LaPrade. Together, they have over, over 100 years of ministry experience. That's not, I'm not saying anything about how old they are because they're very young. <laughs> I have to walk a tightrope here because I just got myself in deep. But if you ever, ladies, if you ever want to know how to navigate life as a Christian woman, talk to these two women. Because they're still here, and they're still serving, and they're still faithful, and they've made it this far walking with Jesus on purpose. So just because you've had struggles doesn't mean you have to be ashamed of those things. When you're strong and when you're ready, now you can talk to other people about that and be an example. Then last week we talked about salt and light prayers. And once again, these are personal prayers about ourselves. 
prayers for personal growth and change. And I think so many times we, we hit, us, hit people so hard and we hit ourselves so hard with having to change that we forget who we are in Christ. You remember we spent a whole lot of time last week talking about and reminding ourselves of who we are. And I just want to read this to you, uh, something I wrote. Your past does not define you. Your worst day does not define you. Your worst decision does not define you. Your income does not define you. Your house and your car do not define you. Your social status does not define you. Your level of faith does not define you. And your reputation does not define you. And many of you need to hear this. Your family does not define you. None of these things define you unless you let them. Instead, God says, let me define you. I believe with all my heart, God wants to show you who you are, who he created you to be, and what the potential of your life is if you'll follow his plan. And we talked about some of those, uh, those salt and light prayers. And now we get to the last... Uh, uh, the, yeah, we talked about the salt and light prayers. And I use the quote from Douglas MacArthur, the soldier above all others prays for peace, for it is a soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of the war. These salt and light prayers require the understanding that you must depend on God for results. If you're still in the mode of thinking that you can handle it and you can change, and God, God is there in the bullpen just in case you need to bring in the lefty for the last inning, then you miss the point that you're not getting it, that you're not to that point of growth in your life yet, and you need to pray that you'll get there. And I said, if, you're truly will, if you truly want God's blessing and favor, you'll be willing to make the changes that are needed to lead an honorable life. Now that we've talked about praying for ourselves and getting ourselves in the right attitude of prayer in the right place, where we're at least moving forward and trying, doesn't mean we're perfect, but at least we're trying to get there. At least we're trying to make the changes. At least we're trying to live for Jesus, right? Now it comes to this last type of prayer. And this last type of prayer, I think, is one of the easiest things to do wrong in our walk with Jesus. And that's praying for others. While praying for others is possibly... Uh, well, praying for ourselves is possibly the hardest thing we can do. Praying for the lives and situations and needs of others almost comes naturally. Right? We, it's almost natural for us to pray for other people. It's easy. Right? It's easy to, to say, yeah, I'll pray for you, and to shoot up a quick prayer. We love to pray for God's blessings, God's healing, and power in, others, in the lives of other people. But the problem comes when we pray for others in a selfish way, in a judgmental way angry way. I call these prayers searchlight prayers. Prayers that search out others. Prayers of intercession. Prayers that we offer that focus on others. Praying for other people. Can you pray for other people in a bad way? I believe absolutely you can. And we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Yet prayer is the most, is the most powerful weapon we have in the fight against evil. 
And I think prayer is one of the most neglected things that we do. Many people say, it's so hard for me to pray. Maybe you're one of those people. It's so hard for me to pray. It's so hard to set it. You know why it's so hard for you to pray? Because you have an adversary called Satan who doesn't want you to pray. Because the Bible says clearly and plainly that God hears and answers the prayers of righteous people. Your prayers matter. Your prayers do things. Your prayers have power. If you're living a life that honors Jesus Christ and you put those prayers up for yourself or for others, God hears your prayers and he answers your prayers. We don't just ask for people, uh, ask, uh, people just don't ask for prayer just to make themselves feel good. If we know what it's like to follow Jesus and to walk with Jesus, we ask for prayer because we know that it matters. We know that it means something. The first rule of praying for others is this. Be careful how you pray. Be careful how you pray for others. First of all, and follow me as I go down this road here. First of all, there's too much hate in the world. There's way too much hate in the world. And quite honestly, much of that hate and too much of that hate is coming from the church. And we are, we're, we're, not, we're not a politically charged church. We won't have pamphlets to tell you how to vote. I won't even put anything out there that gives you information on voting. It's not my job, it's not my responsibility, and it's not the purpose of this church. I don't believe it's the purpose of the church, period. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved, don't get me wrong. We should be involved as citizens and we should live our lives and live out our morality. And we should vote according to how God leads us. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility to tell you how to vote. Let me say, let me say this. The hate that's in the world, the hate that's coming from the church, that's not how Jesus tells us how to live. That's not how Jesus tells us to see others. That's not how Jesus tells us to walk in faith. We, we, we're not persecuted simply because our candidates didn't win an election. Quite honestly, it shouldn't really matter to your walk of faith. Who is in the White House, who is in the State House, shouldn't really matter. So, what do I mean by be careful how you pray? Colossians 1.9 says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge for his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul, if you, if you uh, join the Wednesday night Bible study, deeper, on, uh, deeper Bible study online, you know that we're going through the book of Colossians. And if you've been following you'll know that Paul never met these people. Isn't that strange and interesting? Paul wrote this letter, such a personal, powerful letter to this group of Christians, this group of people, and he spoke so intimately about faith and about living faith and about being strong and about, uh, he, he commended them on their, 
If you read Colossians, you'll see that this church, their faith was known. They had world-famous faith. Paul said, your faith is known throughout the world. He had never met these people. Yet he says, I've never stopped praying for you. I've never met you, but I've never stopped praying for you. And how did I pray for you? I pray for you that God would give you knowledge, complete knowledge of his will, and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. We're not going to jump ahead too much, but I would ask you when you pray, when you do pray for your leadership, we should pray. We have, I, I point them out once in a while, we have a, a city council. If, you're the, if you live in the city of Springfield, you didn't know this, if you live in the city of Springfield, this man, this gentleman right down here, one of the best men I've ever known in my life, Melvin Edwards. He is a city councilor in the city's longest tenured city councilor in the city of Springfield, if I'm correct. Right? <laughs> Close. Second longest. Second longest. He's old. Um, <laughs> I pray for Melvin. I don't pray that Melvin will, um, will vote the way I think he should on certain things or do leaders. Th- I vote that Mel. I, I vote. I pray that Melvin will have the wisdom from God to do his job correctly to the best of his ability and that while he's doing it, he'll shine the light of Jesus and he'll show grace and love to everybody he comes in contact with. Even those people that really... Hey, he's in Springfield, man. You know who your neighbors are. You know what I'm saying? He's at, well, he's in, he's in Massa. He's in America. He's a, he works with humans, so... See, that's what I'm talking about when it comes to to praying for people. How do you pray? You've got to be careful how you pray for others because it can be dangerous. There are prayers that cause division. Really? There are prayers that cause division? I believe so. Not because God listens to our prayers and divides us. No, God isn't the one that divides us. God doesn't listen to your prayers and bring about division because of our prayer. He doesn't answer our prayers that way. But they cause division because of the attitude with which we pray for others. Instead of praying for God to change people into his image, we sometimes pray for God to judge them because they don't match our image. Right? Rather than praying for God, like David did, said, God, create in me a clean heart. Or God, create in them a clean heart. God, renew a right spirit within them. God, draw them close to you. That last song, worship to you. Last song is one of my favorite songs of all time. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I, I pray that, man. God, draw me into you. Draw me close to you so that I'll understand your love and compassion. Especially when I get riled up, when I get angry. I need to understand how, if you ever want to know how to deal with people, talk to somebody like Melvin, who deals with difficult people. Talk to someone who runs a business. Talk to uh, Drew Brow and, and uh, Pete, uh, who, have, who have run, and, and uh, 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 Jamil, others of you who have, who have run businesses or uh, you're, you're supervising other people and you're dealing with difficult people and large groups of people. How, you de- how, how, how do you handle those people? 
How do you deal with people? How do you deal with unruly people? Sit down and ask them. If you ever want to pray for somebody specifically, ask them what they would, what, what would really help you. How could I really pray for you effectively? What do you really need me to pray for? Instead, sometimes we want people to be transformed into our image. And that's how we pray. Those kind of prayers, now here we get a little theological here again. Those are called imprecatory prayers. Imprecatory prayers. Now that, an imprecatory prayer is a prayer that calls down judgment or a curse against one's enemies or those who are enemies of God. And anytime we want to justify this kind of prayer, people run to the Psalms. Right? They run to the book of Psalms and they read about David. And they read many of David's Psalms. How David says, God, crush my enemy's head. <laughs> Oof. Wow. That's harsh. Can I just say this? Just like many times, I know people, people who don't know the Bible uh, say that the Bible promotes and endorses slavery. It doesn't. The Bible records history, but it doesn't endorse all the history it records. Same thing with the Psalms. Just because David prayed that way doesn't mean that God answered that prayer. It doesn't mean it was a right prayer for David to do. Many times what that was was simply David sharing his heart. And I think we can identify with it many times because don't you feel that way sometimes? We were, we were driving through Springfield a couple days ago and Aaron was looking at the houses and, and those of you who live in, in the, especially the Forest Park neighborhood of Springfield where the houses are so close together and they were built back when many people didn't have any cars and now everybody in the family, your six-year-old gets a new car for Christmas, right? Just in, just in case. <laughs> They changed the, the, uh, the law for how old you can be to have a car. And she said, how do people park here in the winter? I said, ask Melvin. He's the one responsible for that. <laughs> Go talk to Melvin. All right? But how many of you who have either lived or driven through the Forest Park section of Springfield during the winter have had some not-so-nice things to think about or say about those people who just don't seem to want to park correctly during a snowstorm, right? I won't ask if anybody here has ever had their car buried by a snowplow because you didn't move your car, and you get a whole different situation, right? Listen, there are many times in life, and it's every day for most of us, that we need to understand how to deal with people. The way we pray for them really dictates, I believe, the beginning of how we as Christians deal with other people. How we shine the light of Jesus. How do you pray for other people? Man, if you pray God's judgment, all that's going to do is get you mad. All that does is reinforce and reaffirm the fact that you're angry and you think everybody should agree with you. And it's not that way. I believe that, I believe that two things can be true at the same time. And I believe people can be right on the same issue but have different opinions. 
I really do. What worked, and here in our country, what works in the South doesn't necessarily work up here. And what works for those people who decided, I, I wondered, man, did you not have another wagon wheel to replace when you stopped in Buffalo? <laughs> because every year you get 200 inches of snow. And it only comes like in one band, right there. I, I'm just asking. 77 inches of snow in, in one spot this past weekend. That's crazy. It works for them. Have you ever talked to anybody from Buffalo? They love it. They love it. Like, okay. I'm just here to tell you it wouldn't work for me. But those two things can be true at the same time. So my point is this. You don't always have to pray for people, and you shouldn't pray for people to come around to your way of thinking. If that's all you do, then you are in your prayers, you are causing division. Not between you, not, you're not having God's judgment down on someone. Division is coming because you are not lining up with God's plan and God's way. And you're not being brought to a place of surrender and humility to where you can see what is necessary, see what people need from you to grow in their faith. By the way, it's not our place, right or job, to judge other people. That, that's God's job. That's God's job. So before we pray God's judgment and get very specific about it, maybe we should remind ourselves that it's not our job. It's not our place. We're not anybody's judge. Should we pray for judgment on, uh, God's judgment on others? I think that's a tricky question. I think, I think it depends on what you think judgment is. I think, I think the best, if you want my personal opinion from how I read the scriptures, I would say no. I would say this, and this is how I pray. If you want to know how I pray for people who have walked away from faith, if you want to know how I pray for people who have walked away from our church, people who have even people who betrayed me and, 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 you know, done things that are not, that don't make me happy, I guess that's the best way to say it. Um, I don't pray that God would judge them. Because I've seen God's judgment on people's lives, and it's no fun to watch. I pray this. God, would you get a hold of their hearts? Would you reveal to them what is wrong? Would you reveal to them? And, and by the way, God, while you're revealing to them what is wrong, would you reveal to me the right way to go and the right way to handle this? Because no matter what, even though I pray for other people and even though I, my heart is broken and burdened for them, I still don't have to answer for them. I still just have to answer for myself. <clears throat> so I can wear myself out worrying about whether or not they're going to make the right choice or whether or not they're ever going to come back to faith or come back to church. And if that's what you're worried about, no wonder you're stressed out. Pray that God would change their heart. Pray that God would reveal himself to them and show them the right path. Show them the open door. You ever think that maybe people are just banging on the wrong doors? And some people are just 
hitting the door that will never open. And maybe, maybe, maybe they just need for you to pray that they would turn their eyes to a different path. Be very careful how you pray for others. Specific kinds of judgment prayers are not wise. Yeah, praying for people that they'll come back to God and get their lives right with Him, walk away from a life of sin, get themselves out of a self-destructive pattern. That's important. But as the Bible says, restore people considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Here's a good, here, here's a good um, piece of advice. When you, if you say, well, Paul prayed that way, Peter prayed that way, other people prayed that way. This is what Paul had to say in Philippians 3, 17 through 18. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have, an often, for I have often told you, and now say again to you with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. We know, listen, it's not a secret. We all have friends and family who have walked away. We all have friends and family who don't believe in God. And we usually come back with some snarky comment. Oh, you don't believe in him, but he believes in you. Okay. All right. You win that round. That start with an A. Animals that start with A. But what is better for the situation? That you feel better about yourself, that you made that comment and you took the stand you did? Or that you prayed for that person, saying, God, would you reveal yourself to them in a way that can't be denied? And leave that way up to God. There are enemies of the cross. People who by their words or actions work for or bring a harm to the cause of Jesus, his followers, or the church. But before you decide you want to pray judgment on others, before you, let, and let's broaden this out, okay? Let's not dance around it. Before you, if, if, you're, if you're red and before you decide you want to pray against blue people, everybody follow where I'm going here? That, that blue people would turn red. Or if you're a blue person and you're praying against red people. Before you do that, make sure you can say, as Paul said, follow me and imitate me as I'm imitating Jesus. As I just think that if you honestly can say, I'm imitating Christ, you would not be a red person blue, praying against a blue person or a blue person praying against a red person. You'd be a broken-hearted person praying for a lost person who needs Jesus as their Savior. And when you pray, notice I said when you pray. Some of you red folks might not like this one, but when you pray for your president, I'll just tell you, tell you I, I didn't vote for either one, so I'm like, don't you never tell you who I vote for, and you don't really, nobody really knows my politics here, except maybe my wife. When you pray for your president, when you pray, 
That's not really supposed to be an option for Christians. We're supposed to pray for our president. We're supposed to pray for our leadership. We're supposed to pray for, oops, we're supposed to pray for the woman who just stepped down from the Speaker of the House position. Oh my, now we're getting personal. Oh, I thought you didn't preach politics. I don't, I'm just telling you how to be a Christian and look at the world, look at your country, how to really pray for your country. You see, if we had less people praying angry prayers and more people praying heartfelt prayers of love and compassion for people, that God would help them to see his will, not your will, his will, then I think maybe we'd have, I, I don't know if we'd see wholesale change in our country, but I know we'd see wholesale change in the church. And that's really all I care about. So let's be careful before we get judgmental in our prayers. Like what your mother used to tell you, when you're pointing one finger at somebody else, you've got three pointing back at you. Is that what it is? And don't give me the thumb stuff. <laughs> you see, prayer is supposed to transform people. Prayer is supposed to transform us. And I know it's difficult. I've been there, folks. I've been, I, I've prayed angry prayers before. I've prayed angry, I've prayed angry specific prayers for specific people before. And I'm not proud to say that. And I've had to ask God to forgive me for my attitude before. I don't back away from that because I think I, I believe I need to be honest with God in prayer. But being honest with God in prayer is not necessarily praying his judgment on other people. It's praying and asking God, why am I so angry? What is, what is going on with me that is causing me to be so angry? Why is this person, what is going on? What is going on in me that needs to change? before I can actually work to help change somebody else. Prayer is supposed to transform us from what we are to what we can be, from anger to peace, from confusion to understanding, from division to acceptance, from hatred to love. Did you know prayer is supposed to change you from hatred to love? And from bitterness to grace. I think a whole lot of Christians right now are hanging out too much in the bitterness category. We're bitter about everything. We're bitter and angry about everything. I've been specific. We might as well keep it up. Bitter and angry about what happened during COVID. Bitter and angry that your 401k is now a less than 401k. Bitter and angry about this, that, or the other thing. That's why the Bible says put your hope in Jesus Christ because you cannot hope and trust what's going on in the world. Jesus is in charge. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And that's what we need to be lined up with. Don't put your eyes on me. Don't, fo don't, don't focus on me. And don't 
think that I'm your savior because I'm not. I'm as imperfect as anybody else, probably more so than most. Follow Jesus and get the bitterness Pray against the bitterness in your own life because prayer is supposed to transform us from bitterness to grace. Now, we're, uh, Brian's doing the slides. We'll now be getting back to the slideshow, Brian. <laughs> all, that, all of that was stuff I added in and I never made slides for. When it comes to praying for other people, to continue that thought, there is no qualification to pray only for red or blue. There's no qualification in the Bible to pray only for friend or foe. In fact, we are to pray for everyone who needs prayer. And that's everyone. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul is writing to Timothy. And, and remember, this is a father-son ministry relationship. Paul is, uh, Paul is Timothy's uh, ministry, his spiritual father. He... Uh, he, he found Timothy uh, when, when he was a young man and raised Timothy in the faith and then prepared Timothy and mentored Timothy to become a leader in the church. And Timothy was Paul's main church planter. Paul would start the church with Timothy and then Timothy would be the guy that would implement the doctrine and the teaching. And Timothy and then Titus came along, you know, Timothy and Titus, those, those three uh, books in the New Testament are written to, uh, written to and about and for leadership in the church. And Paul said, Paul gave, these, gave Timothy the charge, hey, Timothy, choose out good men and women to lead. Train them up. Teach them in the, in the faith. Teach them in their most holy faith. So this is a very intimate relationship where Paul is saying to Timothy, this is what you need to understand. This is what you need to do. This is what is important. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. Hear that last one? Is it on the screen? It is. It's up on the screen. Look at that. And thanksgiving. Hey, everybody, let's read those last words, the four words together. Be made for that's not what it says, is it? I'm sure that if we go back in the Greek, that's not everyone. That's got to just be my homies. Right? That's just got to be the people I really like. That, that, no, man. Paul is telling, Paul, Paul is passing this, literally passing this on to the next generation of leadership. Hey, Timothy, not only do you need to Pray petitions for others and bring needs about them to God. Not only do you need to intercede for them. Man, you need to be thankful and you need to thank God. Be thankful? Seriously? Seriously. For everyone. Wow. Uh, then he makes it, then he, then he adds an addendum there. For kings 
and all those who are in authority. Hey, there's no qualification there. There's no qualification about the initial that comes after their, their name on the ballot or on the, on the roll. There's no qualification for if they're a competitor in business. There's not even a qualification for if you work for a Christian boss. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Did you see how that changed? We're praying for other people. We're praying for authorities. We're praying for leadership. We're praying for everyone, right? It says pray for everyone. Why? So that we can lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. See what I mean? Prayer transforms us. Step back from that before I fall off the stage. The more you pray for others, the more life comes into focus. And the more you understand about life, and the more peaceful you will become. Not that your life will be, not that life itself will become peaceful, but that you will become peaceful. I, whenever I think of peace in the middle of a storm, I think of Jesus sleeping in the boat, right? These dudes were terrified. I had an uncle, Uncle Dick, that uh, he's, a little, he's a little short of a full basket of apples. He was a little crazy when it came to stuff. And he was... He just pushed the envelope. And I remember we, when we went up to Lake Winnipesaukee, I thought it was a good idea to go and get in this little boat, this little motorboat with my Uncle Dick and let him, and, well, I was only like nine. I couldn't make a decision. He was driving. Well, there's a part of Lake Winnipesaukee, if you've ever been up there, there's a part where the wind really comes out of the mountains and it, the waves get really high. I have six, seven, eight foot waves on a really bad day. It was just a small boat, and this was back in the 60s. And my uncle pulled the, pushed the throttle all the way. And he, he's standing up at the wheel, singing while we're up and slamming down. We're up and slamming down. And I'm terrified that, we're gonna, that the boat's going to explode. And my uncle didn't have a care in the world. And as I look back, I, I kind of see that there were two things were true at the same time. I was terrified and he didn't care. <laughs> and in the midst of the storm, Jesus was asleep. This was a storm where seasoned fishermen were terrified for their lives. So much so that they said, don't you care that we're going to die? That's a bad storm. You see, Paul isn't telling Timothy, pray for others so that life will be peaceful. Pray for others so that you will have peace in the middle of a storm. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to go through a storm. Doesn't mean your life won't be a storm. 
Doesn't mean there won't be difficulties. But you sure will have peace if you give the struggle to God. Matthew 5, 43 through 45, you've heard it said, uh, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. We're to pray for grace and not judgment. Judgment is God's job. Our prayers should always be for the purpose of turning people turning people to or back to Jesus. Romans 10.1. Paul said, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning Israel is for their salvation. By the way, those were people, not only were, were they the ones who screamed out to crucify Jesus, those Jews, Israel, they were the people, many of them were people who persecuted, who, who, who tried to kill Paul, who beat him and left him for dead. Paul wasn't vindictive. Paul said, I pray for their salvation. See, people coming to know Jesus as their Savior is the answer to the problems of their life. We're to pray even though we don't know the circumstances or details. The prayer chain is not a gossip session. Right? I've had people message me before, oh, can you give me a little few more details on this if I want to pray specifically? You don't have to have details to pray for people specifically. Well, I need to be able to name it. No, you don't. You need to pray for people in the knowledge that you have. Even though you don't know the circumstances or the details, you need to pray. See, prayer is the place we go to war for our brothers and sisters. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, the Bible tells the story of Peter. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. You say, what is that? If you remember the story, they were praying for Peter, and Peter was released from prison, right? An angel came down, opened the gate, and, and Peter walked out. This church knew so few details that when Peter came to the house and knocked on the door and the little girl, I believe her name Rhoda, it was Rhoda, when Rhoda opened the door and she saw Peter, she shut the door and ran back and said, hey, Peter's at the door. And they said, okay, little girl, I know you're tired. You're having dreams. And she's like, no, it's really, they, they knew so few details about what was going on that they didn't realize, even realize that Peter had been released. You see, you don't have to have the details when you pray for people. That's the whole point here. You can pray, and you can even, you can, hey God, I, I know they're going through a rough time. I don't know what's going on, but would you please give them what they need in that moment? Would you please intercede in that matter? God, would you give them grace to deal with it? And if, it, if, it, if it's not going to change, God, Give them the courage and the strength to walk the road they need to walk to get through it. It's okay to pray that way.
And lastly, we're to pray for the success of others. Let me throw this out. Many of us have been to many different churches, and sometimes we've come from churches and we've had to leave churches, and it hasn't always been the best circumstances, right? And many times we've lost brothers and sisters in Christ. We've lost the friendships. Some of you, it's pastoral leadership and pastoral families that you had very close ties with, and they disappointed you or something happened, and you had to leave and cut ties. And those relationships are strained, am I right? And those relationships are difficult. And if we're all being honest, out of sight, out of mind, and we kind of like it that way because we don't have to deal with the pain of what happened. and We don't have to deal with the struggle. Take it to another level. Some of you... There are people who have left this church in less than happy circumstances. What do we do about that? How do we pray for people like that? See, this goes all the way back to the beginning. Are we to pray God's judgment on them? Or is a better option to pray for their success, including other churches and ministries? Oh, well, I don't want to see that church grow when, when we're... We're not here to build the fiefdom of new life. We're not here to build the kingdom of new life. We're here to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're on this earth to shine the light of Jesus and to build his kingdom, however it looks and whatever it takes. And if that means that some people are better suited at churches that aren't called new life, then that's what it means. If that means some people will grow and be better ministered to in a different environment, in a different style of ministry, then that's what it means. We are to pray for the success of others, including other churches and ministries. When I take a prayer drive many times, I'll intentionally drive by churches in our area and I'll pray for their pastor and many of their people and that ministry by name. Why? Because I'm such a spiritual giant? No, not at all. You want to really know why I pray for those other churches the way I do? So that I don't allow bitterness to creep into my heart and jealousy. Because some of those churches are much bigger than we are. And I don't want my heart to say, you know what? I'm going to go on an all-out rampage to steal members so we can grow our church. Because I want to be, I, I want to have, you know, we, we want to have big church and two or three, so I, didn't, I don't really want to do two or three services again. Man, we, we, during COVID, we were doing two services. That was tough. That was tough. But see, praying for others the right way praying for their success and the success of churches and other ministries, many times that keeps us in line and keeps us focused properly. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 19, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness, with boldness, the mystery of the gospel. Pray for our brothers and sisters. Pray for each other. I pray for you throughout the week that God would show you the open doors, and then when you get the opportunity to shine the light of Jesus in however he wants it to shine, that you take it. 
that you have the courage to speak, your tru- you speak the truth of your faith in the time that you're given. That doesn't mean you, you pull out your Bible and go through the Romans road every time somebody asks a question. Many times that just means being a person of love and compassion in the right moment. So it sets up the next situation. Then in Philippians chapter 1, beginning of verse 14, Paul writes this, Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment. Remember, Paul was in prison when he wrote Philippians. And dare even to speak, even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, now listen to this. Here's where it gets crazy. Here's where we, we, we look at Paul and say, what are you talking about? He says, my imprisonment, it has emboldened some of our brothers and sisters to be more bold about the faith and to speak with more authority and more courage to tell others in a stronger way. They're not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1. But, to be sure, now listen to this, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. There's two sides here. Some people are all about the money, right? Some, some pre- people, some churches are all about the number that they can write down on how many people were there that Sunday. Some are all about what's in the, what's in the bank. Some will do whatever it takes to draw a crowd. Some will, will do all kinds of things. And maybe they get it. And then there are others who preach Christ from pure hearts, out of goodwill. Well, that's clear, right? That's clear where we should be. That's clear how we should pray, right? Let's be honest. We should be praying for the people of goodwill, and we should be praying God's judgment on the people who are preaching out of rivalry, right? Isn't that true? Isn't that, is, isn't that what we should do? Isn't that what the, what the human part of us says? Well, what does Paul say? What does the, the Holy Spirit prompt him and inspire him to say about that? He says, these preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. Some people took it to an even more difficult level. They were preaching so that it would be tougher on Paul in prison. Now we know we've got to pray God's judgment on those people, right? Now we know we have to pray God's power on those who are doing the right. But those people, man, those people who have the wrong attitude and they're doing it the wrong way, they're not doing it the way we do it. We need to pray that God will whip them up into shape. (laughs) You think so? Look at verse 18. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. We're to pray for everybody. We're to pray for other churches, other ministries, other pastors, other Christians. They don't have to be new lifers. We're to pray for their success. We're not to pray that they pick up our methods. 
We're not even to judge them for why they, how they do what they do. If we don't have a conversation, we can have a conversation. But Paul says, no, no, man, pray. Pray for them. Old, old King James says, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Whether out, whether out of rivalry, and there are others. I've had pastors tell me, and in, in our area, hey, John, I have no problem, no problem going after your people. I've had pastors tell me that. Like, okay. Well, I have a problem with that, but I'm not going to retaliate and go after your people. Listen, if they, no, I'm not going to say that. That's fine. If that's, I still need to pray that the gospel will go forward through those ministries. I don't have to like it. I don't have to like the way other people do other things. There are people who won't come to new life simply because of the way we, we do worship. There are people that think they need, they, that they, they won't come to new life because we, uh, we are casual in our dress because I have tattoos. There's all kinds of reasons. They, for those of you who don't know, maybe this is gonna be a killer for some of you. There are some people who won't come here because the senior pastor of the church is divorced. Okay. You know what my attitude is? You gotta go to church somewhere. So I'm gonna pray that you get in church somewhere. And I'm gonna pray for that church that that pastor will stay true to the word, that the leadership of that church will stay true to the word and that you will be fed the way you need to be fed so that you will go out and tell people and shine the light of Jesus so other people will come to know Jesus Christ because their eternity is more important than my ego. Their eternity is more important than my fellowship. And quite honestly, folks, the eternal souls of those people out there is much more important than the bottom line of finances or attendance at this church. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see our church growing. I'd, I'd find a way to do three, four, five services. And I'd, I'd find a way. I'd sleep all day Monday and Tuesday. I don't know. But I am not so wound up about our success that I will not pray for the success of others. And you don't need to be either. See, when it comes to praying for other people, it's important why you pray. It's important how you pray. And it's important who you pray for. Prayer is serious business. Prayer is not a game, not a part-time job. Prayer is warfare. And we need to see that and understand that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, the honor and privilege of being in your house today. Thank you for all those who came out today and those who, who joined us on, uh, on the various um, live feeds. God, we love you and we're so grateful and thankful for all you've done for us. Lord, we're entering a week of, of Thanksgiving where it's our time to be thankful for the blessings in our life. And God, may you, whether we're getting together with a large crowd or whether we're going to be with just our family or even maybe if we're going to be by ourselves, God, would you give us, show us the reasons to be thankful? And God, I pray specifically about this message. Lord, would you use it to transform our hearts? I know, God, it was tough for me to study and to really kind of be transparent with myself and with you, realizing shortcomings here and there. God, would you transform each and every one of us according to your word? Lord, as we go from this place today, would you bless us, would you use us 
to bring glory to your name. Open those doors. Show us the open doors. Open those doors that need to be open. Lead us on your path, God, and may we honor you in all things. In your name we pray. Amen.